we become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, sorry, drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and hello, High C. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and Cook's as good as she looks, Ted. Ooh. <laughs> well, it's been a while, Colin. It has. I, feel like I haven't talked to you in years. I know. We take one week off, and, you know, we, we kind of did a week on, a week off, and I realized, like, how does anybody do a podcast every other week and, like, remember? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't even know. I was trying to think this is best supporting after show discussion, but I, did we have an assignment? Did I give an assignment? I don't even know. If if we did, I didn't do it. So yeah, just I had, a little, uh, yeah. I, I, I had expected the same and I was going to remind you and I was like, uh, you know, we're doing the, we're doing the, the Montessori approach to assignments. That's you know, right. Learn through play. If you're not having fun, you're not learning, you know? That's right. I, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Uh, well, but indeed, after after a little break, uh, which we will discuss much more in the Best Supporting After Show exclusively on Patreon, yeah. uh, uh, we are back this week to continue some, some Best Supporting Spooky movies and Best Supporting Spooky performances. And this week, we're here to talk about the 1975 original, The Stepford Wives. And in particular, best supporting Bobby Marco, played by Paul. Oh Apprentice. my gosh! I know Barb. I, every time I hear Bobby Marco, I think of your cat Marco. Oh, <laughs> it's just every time I hear Paul Apprentice say the word Marco, I'm like, this is a full circle connection of everything I love. Yeah, that's who Marco is going to be for Halloween this year. Bobby absolutely, Marco. <laughs> absolutely. His Bobby Marco 35. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> But I'm so glad you picked this because I I think I ha I did see the remake because the remake I will say is pretty like stacked as far as its cast is concerned and I remember just feeling like all right what is this and I feel like the rest of the world felt that way too like we didn't really need it or um, maybe they didn't change too much about it. Did, did you see both the original? Obviously, you've seen the original, but did you see the remake? I have unfortunately seen the remake, and it is a disaster of a movie. It really, I Oof. mean, I think it just strikes out across the board from, like, from, like, the logic of the movie, like, the, the movie logic to just, like, the script to the humor to just, I think everything about it is such a misstep, and... Um, it's a shame if anyone thinks of that before they think of either this version or the book by Ira Levin, because that is just a stain on the legacy of Stepford. Yeah, I don't picture Nicole, even like a, you know, a 2004 Nicole Kidman as a Joanna type, like get Sandy Bullock in there, you oh. know, like someone like I picture Nicole Kidman being one of the like established Stepford wives, in my opinion, but Absolutely. that's not the way that they went for that, but no, yeah. 
Uh, and and I think I mean it is interesting, kind of the comparison of like their the the remix interpretation of Bobby with Bette Midler. And listen, we've enjoyed Bette Midler before. They're on the right track with that, yeah, certainly. But, but it's yeah. so I think when you then see the original and you see what Paula Prentice does with this role, and obviously it's so much more. It's the script and everything else, but it's just like then you kind of see how far they have strayed into like cartoon territory of Bobby and. I may just be very subjective because Bobby Marco is is hands down one of my favorite movie characters, period, end of sentence. Oh, God, she is such a hoot. She reminds me of so many people, and it was really kind of bugging me the whole time, but one of the gals she reminds me of is Sarah Parrish from The Wedding Date. Remember her? The best friend who's kind of drunk all the time? Oh, English accent. Yes. I, yeah. The cousin. Definitely... Yes, kind of like smoky voice, sort of, uh, you know, says what's on her mind kind of gal. And I also got a little bit of Luann de Lesseps in there. I don't oh. know about you. Oh, hands down. <laughs> when they were at that party and she had that yes. little crop top with the knot, I was like, you were giving me Luann season two. You were giving me like, they know my song. <laughs> yes, like ordering that pizza. She's like, Mrs. de Lesseps, Countess. <laughs> Who? Who? That's what she says in the phone. Who? <laughs> she, I mean, yes, there is something so immediately familiar about Bobby. And, and I think in extension, just like Paul Apprentice's energy, that is so, it's like, you know, there's certain seasons of Drag Race where like the moment you meet a queen, like the moment you meet Bob the drag queen, it's like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Like you, I immediately am like, gravitating towards you. And I think she just has this like immediately familiar energy that. I don't know if it's speaking to the little gay boy in me that loves women like this, but I just, if she wanted to recruit me to Stepford, I would fall for it hook, line, and sinker. Oh my gosh. I mean, Hello High C, I think, was my first line where I was like, all right, I'm here. She just opens that cover and says, Hello High C. Yeah. Anyway, Joanna. Like, she just, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. And I feel like she improv that. Like, I feel like that was just like, yeah, how do you. I mean, yeah, you can script that, but I feel like that whole kitchen scene, I feel like the director was like, Paula, why don't you just go for it? Oh, yeah. I mean, instantly my radar was up. Such a BSA of this movie, too. And I I have to say, there's so much of this, and obviously this is probably, um, it made me, I'll say this, it made me want to rewatch Rosemary's Baby because I feel like this is the double header of like the the movie you know at the drive-in that I'd like to see absolutely well yeah both based on Ira Levin books and um oh. so yeah you are like oh yeah I why didn't oh yeah you are totally I on, didn't even know that yeah I'm so smart no you you're picking up <laughs> I mean I think it's great that the the vibe of both is coming through because what's interesting is that like yeah they're both based on Ira Levin books that are so good like I'm going to – I've reread The Stepford Wives a couple times, and I'm going to read it again, I think, now because it's nice. such a good read. It is so scary and so, like, economical, and I just, like and, – and pretty similar to the movie, but also I was reading some of the trivia, and I was like, oh, yeah, it is a little bit different from the movie, whereas – as you may remember, Rosemary's Baby was written by Roman Polanski, who didn't know that you could take any liberties um, – when writing adaptation yeah. so his script is like faithful to the letter to the book um but both books kind of have this theme of like untrustworthy husbands and um you know these women who are in 
uh, you know, Rosemary's in the middle of the Upper West Side and, you know, Joanna's in the middle of like the suburbs of Connecticut. And it's like these sort of like unknown, uh, like monstrous forces closing in, uh, closing in on them and like gaslighting them and, and, um, you know, it all kind of leading to this like, oh, it can't be true kind of revelation. So in a lot of ways, you're 110% correct. They are, they are truly the Ira Levin double feature. Yeah, I mean, I guess like Bobby was is almost sort of like the mini cast. Is it Castavet or Castavetti? Uh, Castavet. I always confuse it because yeah. then there's John Cassavetes, but I think it's yeah. Castavet. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Ruth Gordon role. Like, I was worried that Bobby was going to turn out to be the Ruth Gordon role, like sort of like that she's the one who remains human, I guess, and just kind of recruits these women and then all of a sudden turns on them. So, I, I mean... No one in this movie, no women in this movie win or no. ultimately have like a good ending. And I, it made me kind of sad. I was really bummed out by the end because I really thought, I know I'm jumping to the end here, folks, but it doesn't end well for anyone, like I said. But I, I just thought she would have got away. I thought she would have, you know, got into that truck at the end of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh. and just sailed away. That's what I want. I know. my final girls. My girls. My <laughs> girls. I know. It is, you know, as much as I love the Stepford Wives and I, I love the book, I love the movie, I hate the remake, I it always does bum me out that, that Joanna does not prevail in the end. I did read or I did see something recently of someone talking about this and I'd never thought about this before, and I don't, I don't think it holds water, but suggested the idea of what if at the very end, when we see Joanna in the supermarket, what if they were saying like there's, there's this close up on her face that almost looks like a human react, like a human reaction, and what if Joanna somehow survived and was pretending to be a Stepford wife? I mean, that's a sequel we all need, really, because I, I had that thought, too, at the end. I was like, what if, because, you know, it's great how they set that up. She turns around and she's kind of dead behind the eyes. But what if she isn't? Because we never see it. Right. And that's really such a Rosemary's Baby uh, ending, too, when she enters, like, that model of her bedroom. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And the dog was there. Oh, I mean, no. Ugh. Like, that's, it is, there's also the stress through half of the movie of, like, what happened to the dog? Um, I know. But no, the dog survives. No no dogs die in this movie. Uh, yes. But he, just, the, just the like, oh, the dog's gone missing. We have to go look for him. I'm like, well, now I'm invested in that story. So I don't really care how many of you turn into robots. When are you going to find the dog? Yes, I know. Uh, well, there's so much. I mean, there's a lot of women to talk about. Obviously, we want to talk about um, Paula Prentice. We already kind of did. Is there anyone else you want to start with or chat about before... How do you want to dive in? Well, if for anyone who doesn't know, and I feel like at this point, like the Stepford Wives has become kind of a like, it, it's almost like a, a, a pop culture phrase. Yeah, like, it's you in know, the lexicon. You can kind of, yeah. So like we kind of know what the concept is, but for anyone who, anyone who doesn't know, the Stepford Wives is about a family in New York, the Eberharts. Catherine Ross plays Joanna. Uh, Peter Masterson plays Walter. And then their two daughters, Kim and Amy, and one of them played by Mary Stuart Masterson, P I love uh, that. Peter Masterson's daughter. Um, and they were cute. Those kids were cute. Yeah. Uh, and so they move up to this, you know, cute little sort of almost gated kind of community, very sort of exclusive neighborhood of Stepford in Connecticut to get away from the city. And Joanna starts to notice that all the wives in the neighborhood are just kind of a bit simple minded caught up with house you know cleaning the house and baking and just being a good attentive wife and the only other human being she can really find is first bobby played by paula prentice and then charmaine played by tina louise 
and they try to sort of figure out what's going on with these ladies in town and then one by one they become the ladies of the town and uh the shocking conclusion will be revealed later this episode um but that's the whole idea is you know she moves to the perfect town and it turns out the perfect town has a dark secret and i i can watch shit like that all day yeah i remember i i was watching this in like it's a two-hour runtime and i was there's some parts where like I feel like they could have you know it's like the 70s I feel like they had all the time in the world and like in the 80s and 90s and things and now everything's just like no one has an attention span so we got to just like pack it in but it did flow nicely in a way that made um like I wasn't necessarily bored throughout all of it even though I would have like sped some stuff up because even at the end when she's like in that house I just wanted her to get to the top of the I just wanted to see where her kids were and I was like fucking kids man like they but like if Marco was in that house you would go save Marco and I would go save Lucy obviously so I I understand from a mother's perspective oh yeah that's the only way I could empathize with that I was like (laughs) well what if what if that was my cat um, it is this movie, you know, watching it again with uh, the movie is the definition of a slow burn. And yeah. I I like I think in, in a weird way, because I think it's a slow burn that does build the tension in the details. And I almost feel like in a weird way, knowing the end of the movie and then watching it again, I feel like you almost feel the tension build more because you already you then are seeing how the pieces are coming together. You're seeing the way that the trap is being set for Joanna and you're seeing the way that like these different things, like having the men from the men's association come over and, and the guy who's asking her to do the dictation and the yes. Ike Masri drawing, Masri drawing, you kind of start to see like, Oh, that's what this all is. And I think like I, what's similar to the book and the book is actually like a very fast read. It's, it, it's the opposite of the movie. It sure. like you could read that book in two days. And I think what they both have in common is it's like these little details that come into place that are like so mundane, but like so unsettling. And it just becomes this like choking tension of realizing like, oh my God, every time Joanna realizes something, they're already two steps ahead of her. And yeah. like you just kind of feel the trap kind of closing in on her, you know? Yeah, it's almost like it's too late. It's too late. And but like, why did she agree to say all the words in the dictionary? You know, I I wonder how that like happened. Like she was opposed to it. And then all of a sudden she just did it. Yeah, I guess it was just like he, you know, uh, it was like, you know, I'm just this like this is just this hobby of mine. She I think she ended up using it as a negotiation tactic to get him to talk to his wife. (gasps) Oh, that's right. That's right. About joining their little rap session. And so I think that's that kind of forced it of like okay well that makes sense then but really like so much of this movie is is about the like not to use a buzzword but the gaslighting of joanna and i feel like you know in particular there's that fight that she and walter have i think before she goes to see the therapist where it's like man if you've ever been in like a toxic relationship this is like a this is an incredibly uncomfortable example of like a, a gaslighting conversation like it's just so like that I think that kind of tension really works in this movie yeah I think her husband's name is Walter is that what is that yeah yeah I think he's it's an interesting role for him to play because you have he has to be sinister enough to like want to go through with this but also he can't really give it away too soon because then we know he's on like it's it's he just like kind of toes that line of like being one of the men but also like all right, then we'll move, you know, like he kind of says that, but maybe that's all rehearsed. It's like, 
like you said, I would love to go back now knowing what I know, just like Rosemary's Baby. And maybe that's why, you know, we all know my history with Rosemary's Baby. Well. But I, I, I feel like this gave me a better appreciation for it because there's so I mean, one, like you said, they're so similar. They're written by the same person. And even the 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 psychiatrist uh, scene too. I was like, yay, women believing women. But I was like, uh-huh. wait, is she going to like turn on Joanna? And like, like they do in Rosemary's Baby. Like, but it, I was just, I knew once she like knelt down and that's such a great scene too with the therapist. Like, I'll be back in a week. But once some, someone says I'll be back in a week, we already know it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, there is that similarity with Rosemary's Baby where in Rosemary's Baby, she goes to see Charles Grodin and that mustache and, and really has like a similar monologue that really like, is like I can't believe this is what's happening, but this is what's happening, and I'm, that does not work out well for her. And in this case, it's yeah, it's very like 1970s of like I'm gonna go see this like you know other female psychiatrist, and um, and it's it's just it has a more because I think that's the thing is like people, I think some people think this movie is like very misogynistic and very anti women, and it's like no, it's pointing out like the ways in which society is misogynistic and anti-women and the scene with the therapist is like one other than interactions between Bobby and Joanna earlier in the movie it's like the healthiest interaction that she has with another woman in this movie of like yeah. oh my god finally another human being and I-, I love the therapist that she's like my other favorite character in this movie I think that's a great scene um and yeah. like it's such a relief because it's just like oh finally you know She's the one who says to Joanna, well, it's obvious you're a very smart woman. And and Joanna has this, like, visible reaction. And I felt it, too. I was like, finally, someone is validating this woman who's been getting gaslit for the past three and a half, four months. I know. It's it's interesting hearing her talk it out at that point of the movie, too, because even myself, like, I guess putting myself in Joanna's shoes. But at that point... Had Bobby changed over at that point? I feel yeah. like she had. And that's had. all the proof that I would need. Like, I would... It's like, but maybe I am crazier. Maybe I'm just imagining this because everyone, every man is telling her to just, like, calm down and, like, I don't know what you're talking about and, like, we'll move in August. And, like, th- that conversation of, like, we will move, but we can't do it right now. I'm like, oh, of course. Like, she's not going to make it. None of these yeah. women are going to make it. August is too late. It's Ugh. it's four months, and August would be too late. And, you know, what she says to the therapist, you know, when she's talking about this, and I think this is one of my favorite lines in the movie, and I, I, I'm wondering if it's in the, in the book. She says, if I'm wrong, I'm insane, and if I'm right, it's worse than if I'm wrong. Yes. And I think Ugh. that really summed it up is, like, uh, she's so fucked. And it's totally, like, as an allegory for, like, being in toxic relationships. Like, it's so true. It's, like... Well, you know, if I'm the, if I'm wrong about this, then I'm just crazy. And if I'm right, then that means I'm in a really awful situation. I just hate that there's no escape. Yeah, I hate it, and it just makes me itch those ki- those kind of horror movies. Like, yeah, like jump scares are scary too. But like, this is I mean, I was on edge the last like thirty yeah. minutes of this movie. Like when she comes out, I mean, I I wish she would have just like beat the shit out of everyone with that like poker or whatever she had in her hand it's very like i want my baby (laughs) yes i know i mean it's very like you know what's her name uh oh my goodness joe oh yeah yeah Yeah. give me back my babies yes (laughs) it's true and she she does have that sort of vibe too go on what were you gonna say 
Oh, I I don't know the the Dayquil for anyone who's like, oh boy, you know, special guest Brenda Vaccaro this week. I'm recovering <laughs> from a cold, so bear with me. Not only does my voice maybe sound weird, my brain is like hot soup. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think you know, in terms of like kind of the 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 dystopian ending or the the you know the sort of futile ending. Of course, I want Joanna to survive and I want her to get away. But I feel like, I, I feel like the, the like the happy ending of her defeating all of this, like, I guess unless it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and there's like really no resolution, it's just her in the back of a of a of a truck, uh, you know, pickup truck screaming. Um, I I love the alternative idea, which is definitely not in the book, of like Joanna somehow like escaping that situation and then like pretending to be a Stepford wife at the end. I think that is so yeah. interesting. And I don't know, it like, yeah, as you said, it opens up the, the doors to the sequel. But then there's also like, well, how long would she pretend? Like, I would just like wait for a moment I'm alone with the kids and get the fuck out of there, you know? Yeah, I mean, in this alternate ending, too, she could like, she, that guy told everyone to go home. So she has yeah. the clear. She could fight him, get that poker, whatever, and just like kill him. I guess they yeah. would know, though. But uh, ultimately, she'd have to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess she knew she like in our fantasy ending. So in our fantasy yeah. ending, she like knocks the head off of the robot Joanna, uh, and then she kills Dale Coba. Get she he's got the dog, so she gets the dog, gets out of there, uh, goes to Charmaine's because she because Dale told her that's where her kids are. Gets the kids, doesn't need to stab Charmaine like she stabbed Bobby, and oh, yeah. then uh, th- and then she just. I don't know. Maybe she steals Charmaine's car so that nobody's looking for her car. And uh, she just, you know, hits the road. Yeah. Get out of there, man. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I don't know. Then she finds that therapist and it's a, it's a road movie. Then it's a Thelma and Louise situation. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Or, you know, I guess it wouldn't be possible if she killed the guy for her to just pretend that she is robot Joanna, too, just to kind of go along with the motions too but because i feel like they'd be able to tell um yeah, yeah. It, it, it just it's a lovely idea but it's just um i mean it's it's reminiscent of and obviously it's a very similar movie but invasion of the body snatchers and yeah one of my favorite movie endings when when you think that donald pleasance is just pretending to be an alien and then he then you know uh, Veronica Cartwright finds him and you find out she's still a human being and then he points at her and screams because he's actually an alien and you know I oh it's it's like such a good ending I just spoiled it but it's so good that's okay I would have probably never seen it but um I was gonna say th- yeah there was there was this you know I'm gonna talk about this more in the after show but I, this is not a formal announcement but like I I saw this TikTok and it was just like this girl talking about like the quintessential horror movies. And she started from the 60s all the way up until like present, uh, maybe like 2000s. And there are some on that list that I will never see. I just can't. I can't do it. But uh, especially some of the older ones, I was like, maybe I'm entering my horror era. I don't know. I I feel it's it's piquing my interest. I have curiosity. Um. I have such doubt. <laughs> oh, but you James. know, I feel, and I, I, I think I saw one of the movie. Not I think, but I saw one of the movies on this um, 
this TikTok that I I feel like I might want to do next week, and it's it's a shocker I think for you. Um, so I you know I don't know if we have anything planned for next week or what we talked about, but I feel like this could trump it very easily and something you'd be excited for. So more on that on the after show, folks. Oh my God, yeah. folks! I mean, talk about a jump scare! I didn't see this coming. <laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah. But I think this I can so handle. Exciting. I think I can handle this movie that I'm that I'm teasing. But I, I also think that '60s and '70s horror is is totally fair game. Like it's scary, but it's not like I don't know. It's not like the Strangers. Like the Strangers, I could never do. I couldn't. Yeah, it, it's a it's a totally different approach. I really feel like the whole idea of like jump scares just was not as much of a thing as it became this like this gag in movies you know more recently and i mean i yeah there's so much i can't wait to hear what you've come across i mean in the 70s oh my god there's just so many incredible movies and i feel like actually it's a you know the stepford wives and invasion of the body snatchers like there's so many movies that i feel like in in the 60s and the 70s that were responsive that were kind of saying something in a way i feel like um and not that every movie has to have a message but I don't know. It's kind of like when we did Nashville and I felt like, oh, this is a movie that's saying a lot more than what the movie is saying. Yeah. And like they become, I guess, these interesting kind of time capsules of like, oh, what people were trying to say in movies at the time. And so it's interesting to kind of see that through the horror lens. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of exciting. And um, I don't know. I feel brave. So we'll see. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, <laughs> do, I, do I need to sing that song from the TikTok? She's so brave. <laughs> yes. She's not She's well afraid. <laughs> she is not afraid. That's what I'll be saying. I'll just have to pause the movie every two minutes. Oh, oh that's so my cute. God. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, as we as we get into this, you know, one of the things that I don't think is clear and I think is actually a, a reason to rewatch um, is the progression of Walter in this movie. And you kind of think compared yeah. to like Guy in Rosemary's Baby, where it seems like he has like one or two dinners with the cast of vets and he's like, yeah, of course you can have our baby, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. Whereas I think with Walter, there's there's even less answered in the book, but I feel like in the movie there's a suggestion that he knows something. Like he's he's made the decision, like, oh, we're moving to Stepford. We don't know who tipped him off or like mm. how this happens, but like something kind of brought him in. But I don't think he knew moving to Stepford that it involved killing Joanna. I think he was promised like, hey, like come to Stepford. Uh, you know, a lot of guys come here and, you know, their fan- things turn around, their sex lives turn around. Like, we got a really strong men's association. Like, the grooming of Walter, because we see so much of, like, the gaslighting of Joanna, but I feel like there is also, like, what is the grooming of Walter? And at, w- at what point does he know the full plan, you know? That's true, yeah, because I feel like that would be, if not one of the first things that he would find out. Like, well, what, you know, how do you make it would just say like we can make a robot version of your wife and then right. we'd have to kill your actual wife <laughs> be like yeah no thank you i it, right it's, like it's that's so psycho. fucked up yeah yeah why do and you I think guess... oh go ahead go ahead oh, go... no go ahead oh, i was gonna say maybe we're saying the same thing but i yeah. feel like it's 
when I think about like what is Ira Levin saying about Guy and Rosemary Spigby, what is he saying about Walter and all the other husbands in this book or in this story, I feel like it's really just this very pessimistic view of relationships and marriages and really the idea that like ultimately people are, you know, or men are ultimately like there for self-satisfaction and have much more shallow needs from a relationship and um, are willing to make huge sacrifices to have those needs met. And I, it's like, yeah. Ira Levin, like, what was your father like growing up? Like, where is this coming from? I know the calls are coming from inside the house. I, yeah, I agree. I think that there's this whole idea of, um, and I can't really remember this, the situation with in Rosemary's baby, but with Joanna, like she's an independent woman. She's a photographer. She has a career. She's, you know, she has kids, but she wants more. She doesn't necessarily need to be home. And a lot of, men might and probably do still want that and like you know a woman with ideas like whoa um mm -hmm. i just especially since like i feel like there was a scene where she was really kind of oh it's the scene where uh does she he hits her right he slaps her right my imagining like later that? in the movie yeah later uh, in the movie right yeah, did i make she... that up I think they have a bit of a fight on the stairs. Oh yeah, that's right. Maybe she. I think that's the only time I he gets picture a slap. I don't know why. I'm just. Maybe I took too many, too much Dayquil today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's where my gel caps went. That's right. But, I stole uh, them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're. It's like, it's so interesting when she's talking to that guy at the end too. She's and she asks why, like, why do you want to do this? And, and he he kind of flips it around to like say well wouldn't you want like a stud waiting for you ever at like at home every day and you know just like worshiping like the ground you walk on and I'm, it, it's interesting like would i want that you know I, like if i had like mm -hmm. a hot robot husband <laughs> hot monkey right. robot husband like would colin drucker I, want that i don't know i mean ooh. <laughs> i know i know you say monkey, and there's you no know? Th there are no strings attached and I feel, it, it, I mean, it's just like the, the sacrifice you have to make for that is unspeakable. But if it was like, if there weren't any wives, if they were single men that just entered Stepford, it seems a little more humane, but I guess they need that blueprint as well too. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think what's interesting is there's so much about this, you know, and, and speaking of that conversation that Joanna has with Dale at the end when she says, why? And he says, because we can. Because we figured out a way to do it, Ugh, and so gross. I and I feel like, but man, like so prophetic. Because I, you know, not to say that like, oh, this is going to start happening, but I, it makes me think about AI. It makes me think about like yeah. the the sex doll industry and these like super realistic sex dolls that guys pay twenty thousand dollars or something for. And you think about like what? Well, think about combining those two. Think about the idea of like, oh, you put on a VR headset and you've got your Whoa. sex doll and you re and you create a reality, you know? And there's I mean, I think about like there's so many and this goes into so many other topics, but I guess I feel like thinking of, I don't know, men who are really struggling with dating and like yeah. just not finding a match, you know, really, you know, striking out on the dating apps, not really having much of a sex life. And here is this whole alternative where it's like no rejection. 
no, you know, no matter what you look like, no matter, you know, uh, no matter anything about you, this, you can, you can have sex, you can have this sex anytime you want. I feel like the Stepford Wives is just a version of something that's probably on the horizon, if not already here, and we're just not aware of it. The big difference here is what you pointed out is like, and I'm not saying like, oh, that's fine. That whole situation has its own problems. But here it's like the added thing of like, oh, you want this like, this sex doll of a wife well the the cost of admission is you have to kill your human wife or we'll have your sex doll kill your human wife for you so you won't have any blood on your hands you know absolutely kian and i just watched um megan over the weekend oh i've seen megan yeah yeah and spoiler alert that dog dies and i hate that i was surprised um, I was, and it was like that. very exploited. I did not like that at all. Yeah, I was like, I, this doesn't need to happen. But um, I guess it's you know that's also a slow burn in many ways too. But it's it's also maybe not just like sexual things. It's also like companionship and partnership too with robots, where it's just like it's nice to have someone to hang out with, and even if it's a woman who wants like a man to just like <laughs> if if men could, like I would want someone to just fix things you know what I mean like can you mm-hmm. reach up there can you fix this pipe like stuff like that like that seems more I mean, it's obviously more practical in so many ways but uh it is interesting to see will we have a Megan in the next like it's so creepy though it's so creepy it's so creepy. I, I think certainly with like AI and virtual reality and whatnot, I think people will be able to create these kind of situations in like that setting, probably already. That's probably already possible. Yeah. Um, but I think that next level of like then making it some kind of, yeah, basically bringing the sex doll to life and combining the two, I think, I don't know, give it five years, right? Yeah something's on um, the horizon i feel <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah uh but yeah i mean I, I think with this it's also like what we see in in the stepford wives is we get some sense with walter and joanna that like their sex life is kind of on the rocks it seems like you know there's, there's we see a little bit of bickering here and there it seems like he might be hornier than she is um so so there's a sense of like oh you know he's not really getting his needs met and you know, regardless of obviously her needs, but we, you know, we learn about um, uh, Carol Van Sant uh, that she used to have a drinking problem. Um, I feel like we learn with Charmaine that, like, oh, Ed never really loved her, and she was just kind of a trophy uh... wife. And so you kind of also get the sense of like there, there is a there's a rationale here. Like, there's a I'm not saying I agree with the rationale, but there's like oh, all of these. It's like. All these people came to Stepford to, like, fix their marriages, quote-unquote, you know? Yeah, I think, like, I don't want to say all men, but most men, or maybe some men is a better way to say this, like, are not equipped emotionally to work to work on their marriages. And I'm saying, you know, relationships are hard. Uh, you know, their work, not hard, but they can be hard. And I, I feel like instead of just like talking it out, they'd rather just like kill their wives and turn them into robots. I just I I just it, it kind of speaks to how ill-equipped men are because he doesn't really discuss anything with her, too. That's something that they argued about that, like, he's already making these decisions for them. She doesn't really have a voice as opposed to just sitting down and talking about her and saying, like, I'm uncomfortable or, you know, or I feel like we've lost our spark. It it can be fixed if they want to fix it. But 
I mean, clearly he does want to fix it, just not in the way that benefits her in any way. Yeah, it really, I mean, I, I think what it's so interesting that people don't see how much this movie is about how fucked up men are. Like, yeah, yeah the, the women don't succeed at the end, but like this movie, especially like a movie in the 70s and a book, like an Ira Levin book, like it wasn't about like, you know, girl power. It was about like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like this variations of like, you know, uh, oh, yeah, we'll move in August or like, oh, you know, I work 80 hours a week and my kids look like ragamuffins. Why can't this place sparkle? Like those conversations were happening. And so, oh, like, yeah. I feel like all of this, it's not as if the movie is on Walter's side or the men's association's side. Like, it's, I think, for example, I think that therapist scene is, like, such a, to me, it has such a, like, girl power kind of energy. And to me, that felt very intentional. It's in the book as well. It's like, yeah, once you get out of the bubble of Stepford, once you get out of the archaic, you know, to use a buzzword from the movie, world of Stepford, you reconnect with, like, a much more modern way of, of, approaching things and it's like the stark contrast between like reality and this fucked up reality of stepford yeah i think that therapist scene is like so perfectly timed too because it's right before shit really starts to go down and it also it gets just it just gives you that false sense of hope that she's going to be okay or she's going to get the help that she needs to kind of escape all this but there's so much against her that like you know it's like the titanic like you know it's going to sink and, and there's no way or like um you know carrie before she gets crowned and you right. know on that stage like you, if you stop the movie there and just you know that's a perfect place to stop folks <laughs> if you don't want to see what happens at the end but I got to hand it to uh, Catherine Ross, right? She plays Joanna. Yep. I know we've, we've said her name a whole bunch of times, too. I think she's stellar in this. I, I, there was so much of me as I was watching this, and I read the IMDb because it's like, I feel like there were 40 actresses that were considered for this. But one, yeah. one that I kept going back to was Diane Keaton, and she almost signed on to be this in to be joanna but what was it her like her analyst said she didn't like it <laughs> like the script oh, had, had bad, bad vibes yeah, yeah i was like yeah that's so diane keaton but i would love to have seen diane keaton in this but i'm glad Catherine ross got it i think she's really really great in this i agree i think she's so good in this and one day i guess we'll eventually do the graduate because she's of course in that as well oh um, and I think wow. it was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that. So okay. Um, so you know, and we we love a Dustin Hoffman movie. So we do. Uh, but yeah, she is. I think she is so good in this. And I think that that therapist scene. I I just love that monologue. I love when she talks about how they had walked in to the Cornell's house. The guy up, you know, having sex with his wife upstairs. And it's the pharmacist and his wife. And she says, you know, uh, and he's got this, you know, but he's got this beautiful wife and he's nothing. He's nothing. And I yeah. just, I love the way that like, I know what she's saying. And I love, I think, especially in that scene where she has to talk it all out and kind of describe everything that's happening. When you really break down like what she's talking about, it all does sound kind of crazy and almost kind of silly. And I think it's really on like the script and also on Catherine Ross to like sell this of like, you know, it. Yeah, I guess my problem is all the other women like cleaning their houses too much. Is Am, am I crazy? You know, um, but I think that it's what we really see in that scene is like what is a running theme throughout the movie is like Joanna's fear of losing her identity, losing being Joanna Ingalls, losing being remembered. As she says, that one guy at the, at the gallery, um, oh, yeah. you know, who's going to purchase her prints. She's like, I just want to be remembered. And I think this whole movie, and again, I can't believe people don't see 
you know, the the feminist lens here of like this movie is about this woman trying to maintain her independence and and try to still be seen in this world that's asking her to just blend in to you know to the linoleum yeah and i feel like she came as close as she could like even at the end when he was saying that man is what's what's that man's name i'm sorry i just keep calling him the oh man. dale coba yeah dale dale think of tinsley every time um <laughs> <laughs> dale as dale tinsley's mom yeah, oh my great. god <laughs> oh that's what i'd love to see i'd love to oh, see what Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It, What does she say about Ramona's uh, uh, ponytail? It's, <laughs> it's very, very oh shit, what is it? Yeah, it's it's oh, um, it's, it's very attractive. Wild or um, it's very attractive. Oh, that ponytail, <laughs> so <laughs> weird. I would love to see Dale as like the Beatrice Straight role in Network. I would love. Oh that. my god, like a Southern version of that. I feel like she could pull one off. To be honest, Ugh. maybe like. Dale as Beatrice Strait Network and Harry Dubin as as the the husband. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, oh my it's God. so good. Um, but as she's talking to that, as she's talking to Dale, like he, it's, I think he's impressed with her because she really solved it like quicker than anyone ever has. And like he even mentions too that like we weren't quite ready for you yet, but mm-hmm. we we had to act too. So oh, this is the question I was gonna ask it before but we both asked a question at the same time what do you think why did the men have to go up in their bedroom and like say yeah this will do this will do and what do you think the the recreation of that bedroom is in that actual house like what's that about you know i i i assume because that scene yeah where like where she goes out and like he lets all the husband and husbands into the bedroom is like so eerie and it it's is. just like oh that's I hated so that creepy and i I don't know, but I feel like the recreation of the bedroom, I think a lot of it is about teaching the robot. Like, I don't know, once she moves into the real house, like knowing how to navigate the spaces that she's going to be, I guess, most needed in. Oh, my God. That's gross. So I think the dog was, was kidnapped to get the dog used to the robot so that it doesn't, like, act weird around her. Oh my gosh! Thank you for explaining that. I would have never, I would have never yeah. came to that conclusion on my own. I was just like, this yeah. is weird that she just ended up in that bedroom. Um, that makes perfect sense. I wow. mean, it is that scene was so eerie when she opens that door and it's the recreation of her bedroom. I was like, oh god, that is especially because the movie is such a slow burn and it gives us so little in terms of like really out and out scary scenes that I think it really saves. The, it's a, it's truly unsettling moments for the, those very specific scenes. And, like, I think having seen the movie kind of play a certain, like, play at a certain level of creepiness, I think then the contrast of seeing the robot with the black eyes is so much scarier <gasps> because it's so much more, like, ugh, than anything else we'd seen up to that point. Yeah, I, I hate how, I mean, I don't know what I would do either, too, but when he's coming towards her like he takes the poker out of her hand and then she just like suddenly realizes it and just like she like i don't know she like exhales and gasps at the same time and then she just starts tearing down the hallway just to get out of there and it's dark and it's stormy and she doesn't know where she's going and it it almost feels like she gives up once she gets to the bedroom because she knows what's going to happen and i and I'm glad you don't see it. I think it. I think it's smart of them to not show the robot killing her. But she kills her with a pair of stockings. I was like, oh, I know. Well, and like that twist of like, oh, and and your robot version's gonna kill you. And so like the idea that these husbands are 
than like having sex with the thing that killed their wife. I mean, like the message there of like these guys not only are having their wives killed, they're then having sex with the thing that killed their wife. Yeah, because you see that's how much they hate their wives. I know. <laughs> That's psycho. And you see, I think it's Ed, right? You see, cause yep. it's, is it, um, who is his, what's his wife's name? Charmaine. Charmaine. Charmaine yeah. yeah. Cause you see him leave the house, uh, the night that Joanne is taking her dog for a walk too. And it, it, you know, he looks like he's seen a ghost too, because I don't know how involved the husband, if, if it were to go to plan, like would Walter be there? Like, that's weird to me. And Walter was like past, he, he was still at the house cause she like knocked him in the head. Right. Yep. Yeah, okay. and I feel like his plan was just to get drunk that night and, like... Because I think that, like, maybe oh. what it is is, like, they have this big house and they use these bedrooms to, like, you know, do the staging for the robot. And then, you know... Uh, and who knows? But, yeah, like, basically the exact same thing happens to Charmaine. And, yeah. and speaking of Charmaine, I just want to give a, a, a moment of appreciation to Tina Louise as Charmaine, sort of the assistant to the BSA, though I feel like the therapist really featured ensemble the therapist sure. uh dr fancher but i i love charmaine i i just think she's a great addition to the story i i'm sort of relieved when bobby and joanna find her because i'm like yes another one she's so cool yeah they just need one more just to like kind of prove that this is real and like you know she plays tennis and she's funny and yeah, she seems really cool. I'm glad that she was sort of included, at least for a little while, because you need that first, like the like the destruction of the tennis court, too, is just like mm -hmm. so eerie in a way, too, because she loved the tennis court. So, you know, for a fact, like, like that's proof alone there, too, because right. like none of these women can actually have like a real conversation, but they're programmed to have even when she's fighting with Bobby, like once Bobby gets turned too, it's like, she's like, Oh, don't be silly. You know, like she just kind of deflects just enough, but she's not this, you know, she's obviously not the same person. So it was really sad to see Charmaine go first. Oh yeah. And I think you bring up a good point is the way that we learn these details are so mundane. Charmaine is getting her tennis court dug up, but it's so scary because yeah. we know what that means i mean even the fact that she you know she fires Nettie, a german virgo their thing is to serve you know she fires her maid yes um, oh. played by d wallace who went on to star in cujo and oh uh, et i love d wallace yes but what i love about it is then when you try to go talk to somebody about it they're like okay so she doesn't want to play tennis anymore and she doesn't and she fired her maid. What do you want me to like? There is this weird fucked up thing where it's like, especially at that point in the movie where she's telling Walter she wants to move. And he's like, okay, but like, you know, I don't want to move to a new town. And then four months from then you're like, oh, I want to move from here because I don't like how the neighbors keep their house. And there's this weird fucked up thing where it's like, I could see the lens where you're making sense, Walter. If you weren't in on this, I might say, yeah, Walter, I guess you have a point, you know? Yes. And I think that's what I... I you're saying what I couldn't say about that therapist scene too. Like when she like puts on, like on paper, women can change their minds. Like the way that I think um, Charmaine says it, right? Like her and her and her husband go off for the weekend and like he whined and dined her. And then she's like, yeah, you know, you're right. I don't need, I, you should have your pull. Like people can make compromises like that and people can change. I think the biggest change is Bobby because of how they were just on the verge of like solving this. And Bobby was the one who had the idea about, 
you know, that article she read, oh, we have to talk about that guy, the, oh, the water absolutely. testing guy, too. But um, absolutely, it's just, yeah, like even myself, I was like, yeah, you don't, you just don't have a strong enough case because there is no proof besides your intuition, which is correct. Yeah. And it just makes it all the more fucked up. And the whole thing with like, you know, toxic relationships is all about getting you to doubt your intuition. Yes. And I just, and it, so I think that like, again, that kind of tension, like you really feel it. So like, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, it's really, uh, after their, you know, their rap session kind of fails and, um, they're like, you know, Bobby starts to talk to Joanne about like, so listen, I've been doing some research and if you don't believe me, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'll kill myself or whatever she says. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like I think that that buildup of Bobby being like, I think there's something in the water. I think we really got to look into this. She's getting more upset about this than Joanna. And so you're right. It's so jarring then when she goes out of town uh, with uh, Dave and, you know, of course, like knowing like what's going to happen. I'm like, no, don't go to the plaza, Bobby, for God's sake. Yes. Um, but it is like the most drastic change. Uh, but um, and and since we're at that point in the movie, let's talk about that. Where yeah, she gets the idea of like you know let's let's get this water tested. We got to find a, like a trustworthy chemist. And it just so happens that you know the guy that Joanna lost her virginity to twelve years ago is a trustworthy chemist. So they go to see him. Yeah, I I loved the scene in a way too because it was you know it it paints a picture of like what her life could have been and like a safe life you know, that she could have had with him, but, you know, she just thought Walter was going to be different than what actually happened, I guess, too. And, like, the he writes it on the paper, right? He says, I'm yep. not happy either. And to just paint the picture for you folks, too, it, it's he asks her first how, you know, like, what what are you up to? How's your life, you know? And she's like, yeah, I'm married. And I don't know if she says how long she's married, but, and he asks her if she's happy, I think, or, and she says, yes. Yep. And then he mm -hmm. says the same thing, like, yeah, I'm happy, but like, he's not. And he shows her this like clipboard of like results. And on it, he writes, I'm not happy either. Or in my marriage either. I can't remember what the, yeah, I'm not are. happy either. He says, yeah. yeah. And yeah. she just, got, I, I loved that. I feel like it didn't need to happen, but I'm so glad it did because it's just like, Oh, Joanna, you could have you could have had this guy. He has monkey qualities. He had monkey qualities, absolutely. Uh, Raymond Raymond Chandler, the chemist. I could absolutely climb that tree. Yeah, he was. I thought that was. I agree. They didn't need it, but I thought it was this great little addition of like, and especially in this narrative of like, oh, like this is like if only you stayed with Raymond, you know, like none of this would have happened, and and the fact that like. I don't know. I think a more a different version of this movie would make him a bigger character and have him try to help save the day. And I'm glad that that's not what happens here. He's just in it for this one scene and he doesn't really do anything other than confirm from that, you know, well, your water's got water in it, but that's it. And yeah. I think also that scene is interesting because the sort of triangulated dynamic between him and Bobby and Joanna, because there's like a tension between him and Bobby, because she's he's like, you know, where'd you where'd you find her? You know, where'd you get this one? And I I love at the end when he's saying goodbye to Joanna, he says, "Tell her I'm sorry." Like he tells Joanna to apologize to Bobby for him. And yeah. I don't know why I just like appreciated there was this weird complexity between these three characters in one scene. Yeah, I feel like he almost represents the guy in your twenties or maybe your your late teens. You know, whenever Joanna lost her virginity, that you feel like 
okay, that maybe you do have affection for or maybe even love in some way too, but maybe she convinced herself like, well, he's not like a stable guy or like, I don't know what, what he's going to turn into. So I'm, I'm going to go with Walter cause he's, you know, he, I'm assuming Walter had a good job and like good money and was stable too, but it's just, sometimes you get it right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think what, what I put together is I think, I mean, I, this guy was probably like going to school for, you know, chemistry or whatever, but like Walter was like in pre, was, a, you know, a law student. And so he was, uh, there was probably some sense of like, oh, Walter's real upward mobility and, you know, I'm, I'm sure chemists make good money, but like there is a narrative you could really inject there that like, yeah, maybe, maybe at the time Raymond seemed like the less sure choice than someone like Walter. But, yeah. you know, sometimes those sure choices are just <laughs> yeah, not, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like don't fall for that trap, you know? I guess too, like without the, like if we take the murder out of it too, it's it can just represent like settling in a way too yep, of like exactly being you know having the picket fence the you know the the kids and the dog but being unhappy and being forced to move to the burbs and you know giving up a piece of what you what feeds you your soul i guess too with her photography and like how it's like she's never never quite got back to it and I thought that guy was in on it too, like the the guy at the gallery. I was like, I bet you he's on in on it. But he just, I guess, oh, really yeah. honestly didn't like her photographs the first time around. But um, it's too late well, for that. that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think with that guy, because I was like, why are we spending so much time on the scene of her wanting to get his approval? But I realized, like, when she brings him the pictures that she took of the kids, and she's like, I'm, I'm not crazy, right? Like these photos are good. Oh yeah. I think we're really seeing. I need someone to tell me that I'm getting something right here in my life. You know? Oh, I love that. Yep. Yeah, and I think that puts a really interesting lens on that. Um, I do want to just highlight after they leave Raymond and they're driving back to Stepford, that's when we get really one of my favorite lines from Bobby when she says, when she says, I'm getting the hell out of Stepford. And like, she's like, I'm not going to turn him into one of those pan scrubbers. Yes. And I just, I love her just like, fuck this. I'm done. And it's again, it's that like, this is how far Bobby has gotten before then they go away for the weekend. And, yeah. um, I think before they go, actually, it's when she tells Joanna they're going away. She and Joanna start to go look at houses in other towns. Oh, yeah. And there's that great real estate agent, Mrs. Kiragaza, who's yes. just like gossiping about the guy's house. And Bobby says something like, she's got a big mouth and I love her. And I just, <laughs> uh, it was great. She's so good. That line, I think it was Charmaine who says to Joanna, she's like, ugh, it's so nice to play with like another adult. All I have are two teenage boys with permanent erections. And then Bobby's yeah. like, well, send them to my place. <laughs> so my so Luann Deliceps there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know. I feel like you could really do like a, a, a super cut of like, what was it? The Jill and Ramona um, tennis match with, with <gasps> Mario. Oh and my gosh. Somebody um, else. And, yeah. Who did she play with? Oh, it was Simon. Simon, that's right. Yes, it was, it was Ramona and Mario, Mario, and then Simon and Jill. Oh, God, that's such oh a my great... God. Those early seasons. Right. I just want to like get that scene and then edit in Bobby going, I thought you were great, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> I just love her. Oh. Um, but yeah, so then... Uh... You know, that's, yeah, the, that when they when we meet that real estate agent, uh, that's when uh, Bobby tells Joanna that they're going to be going out of town. And 
when Joanna comes back from that gallery, getting good feedback from the from that guy, that's when she discovers that Bobby has transformed. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but I have to highlight. Um, Joanna says to Bobby, "You're just like Charmaine." And Bobby goes, "Will you stop?" And it's like <gasps> yes. the most perfect line delivery. Will you stop? I'll I just stop. love that. Yeah, she's real. I love like the the robot version of Bobby too. And even when Joanna, it, it is uh, Keon watched like the last like 30, 40 minutes with me last night too, and um, he was kind of on his phone and not, but. Uh, we both like gasped whenever she stabbed her, whenever Joanna stabs Bobby just to like make sure, like to see what she is. Cause she goes over and she's like, see, I bleed. And Joanna cuts her finger a little bit. And I don't know what she says right before she stabs her, but she, she just does it. And then Bobby like short circuits, which was so good to watch that. Oh, that scene. Cause I think she like, she says, look, I bleed. And then uh, Bobby's like, Oh, uh, Oh look, you know, uh, you've cut yourself, and I think Joanna goes, "No, no, you look," and then she stabs her. Yeah. And um, I read in the trivia, and I love this, is that Catherine Ross and Paul Apprentice became such good buddies during the filming of the movie that Catherine Ross did not feel comfortable with like the stabbing scene, and so the director like shaved his hand, and he it was his sta- hand stabbing Paul <gasps> Apprentice. No way! I yeah, love that. I love that. Um, but then, yeah, that meltdown scene, and I love how the soundtrack has that kind of like digital, like yep. malfunctioning sound to it. But ugh, I mean, I was just going to make you coffee. I was just, I mean, that, and I'll just die if I don't get that recipe. I love yes. that when the wives malfunction, their lines are just like talking Tina dolls, you know. Yep, I, that was almost my intro line. I'll just die if I don't get that recipe. It's so uh, good. Which is such a classic line, such a tote bag line. I don't know yep. why I don't have it. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, and I think in the book, so the uh, where like I the whole scene at the house, I don't think happens in the book. I think where it ends is them actually being like, here, we'll show you Bobby. Bobby will cut her hand and you'll see that she bleeds. And I think the implication is that Bobby kills Joanna <gasps> in the book. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I'll find out because I'm going to reread it. But yeah, which I was like, oh, that's almost as bad as if the dog got killed. You can't have Bobby kill Joanna. That's awful. That is. Ugh. But pretty good, though. I mean, I yeah. hate it, but it's good. Well, and it's like, you know, similarly, it's like in at the end in the supermarket when we see robot Bobby and robot Joanna interacting, it's like, oh, this is so sad. This is so fucked up. The two of you were Mary and Rhoda, and now look at you. You're just a couple of mannequins. I do love that IMBD, IMBD, IMDB trivia that they were going to cast Mary Tyler Moore and oh, um, your Valerie gal. Hartford. Yes, yeah. Valerie Hartmell, Val. I, that would have been so good. It, I mean, I it would have been perfect. They, they would have been great for it. And I like the idea of having also Mary Tyler Moore in the Stepford Wives is like so brilliant. Yeah, I I wish they would have, but you know. Yeah, well, and I guess they had also briefly cast Joanna Cassidy as yes, um, I saw that Bobby. too. So like thinking Diane Keaton and Joanna Cassidy as Ooh. Joanna and Bobby. I mean, it's just a I, you know, listen. It, it it's a it's the buffet at the Bellagio. How am I supposed to choose? You know. Oh yeah, it's like casting uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf? You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, I'll take all of it and more. Yes. yes it's fun you know? to cast. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, speaking of which, there's also, you know, because there's been, I think there were th- 
three other than the remake there were like three sequels um very unofficial sequels there was revenge of the stepford wives the stepford children and the stepford husbands and i think they were all tv movies none of them are very good i've seen revenge of the stepford wives and you know, we're talking about Diane Keaton and Joanna Cassidy. We've got Catherine Ross and, and Paula Prentice. In Revenge of the Stepford Wives, the the duo in that is Sharon Gless and Julie Kavner. Whoa. Yeah, which is maybe the only reason to watch. The movie's kind of garbage, but it is – but it, it has a much happier ending. And, like, <laughs> the whole concept of Stepford and the Stepfording of wives is totally different. It's like an alarm that goes off that triggers women to take a pill. Oh, I see. So, well, yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But at least, you know, Julie Kavner doesn't die. So, like, I can't yeah. be that mad about it. Yeah, yeah, that would be terrible. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so I can't say I recommend them, but it was, you know, Sharon Glass, Julie Kavner. I mean, you know. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. I mean, with names like that. <laughs> Don Johnson's in it. If that does anything for you, Dakota's Ooh, father. There we go. Yeah, sometimes I only need to be told twice, you know? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, Speaking of of Rhoda earlier, this is apropos of nothing, but I just needed to mention that the manager at the supermarket, the guy who's like, isn't that great? Best ambulance service in town. He is in Rhoda as well. Oh, no way. Yeah, he plays Rhoda's boss in like seasons four and five. Ugh, it all comes back to Rhoda. Yeah, it all comes back to honestly. My whole life comes back to Rhoda. <laughs> You're obsessed. Yeah. I love that Instagram post. There's no one hotter than. Is it Joe and Rhoda? Is that his name? Joe and Rhoda. There's no uh, couple. What a great post. Hotter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was so afraid someone was going to challenge me, and I was like, "No, we'll not hear it." Yeah, they are the the two of them are so hot. It's just <laughs> insane. Oh, I love that. Well, this well, was I great. Think- yeah, I was gonna say I think this was really fun. I I wasn't sure what you were gonna think of this movie. I I was like it is a slow burn. I don't know if this this might be your 20th century women, but I'm glad to no. hear that you you got caught up in it. No, I really did. It makes me want to go back and watch Rosemary's Baby. So if anything, it's just kind of you know feeding that curiosity of like I don't know like 70s 80s horror. So yeah, especially well, 70s it, for sure. Absolutely. If you if you ever need any suggestions or directions or recommendations, I am. Champing at the bit. Ah, might take you up on that. Okay. All right. Um, You know, before we get played off, and I don't know what they're going to play, maybe some robotic music. I don't know what it's going to be. I just need to recognize the director's wife, Nanette Newman, as Carol Van Sant, as really kind of the, like, figurehead, I think, of, like, the Stepford Wives. I think she really kind of represents, like, the quintessential Stepford wife. Yes. Um, I just – I – I just love that character, and and the you maybe have read this in the IMDb trivia, but she is also the reason why the women of Stepford are dressed so conservatively. Because I guess originally oh. they were all supposed to be in mini skirts and tube tops and whatnot. Yes. but I guess Nanette Newman doesn't have a mini skirt and tube top body, and so instead they did this. And honestly, for like a stuffy Connecticut neighborhood, I think that is such a smart choice. I think so, too. She was the casserole woman. That's what I have in my notes, right? She, she yes. just, like, walks off into the forest afterwards. That made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just need to give a little shout-out to Nanette um, because... Of course. She was great in this. Uh, but anyway, indeed, something, something is playing us off. And, Ooh, uh, spooky. 
it's it's you know listen uh if i'm wrong i'm crazy and if i'm right it's even worse so um <laughs> but anyway uh where can folks find more of you they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on All Right, Mary. We are also covering spooky movies this month, so you can find me talking about some spooky things on All Right Scary, uh, and on Patreon, you can find me talking about Drag Race UK Season 5. Nice. And on Instagram, you can find me posting about Joe and Rhoda. Uh, at Colin Drucker underscore, and of course you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on on Instagram at BSA Pod, or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail dot com. And uh, you know, keep your peepers uh, peeled, or else some robot's going to kill you and steal them and put them into her <laughs> head and then go to the supermarket. Because the best supporting after show is right around the river bend, and we have a lot of catching up to do. You have a big West Coast trip to talk about. Oh my goodness some horror movies that uh that you are expressing some peaked interest in including what we'll be covering next week yes. i am i'm losing my mind over here yeah uh, and uh so much more and you get early access to episodes just like this and that's all at patreon.com slash bsa pod this is the one to listen to folks we have so much to talk about i'm excited jim yeah, you'll just you'll just die if you don't get that best supporting after show that's right <laughs> Anyway, I feel like if ever there was a time for us to get into Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of Stepford, (laughs) this would be the time. Oh, God. There's a line that uh, Bobby says, I'm game. Boy, am I game. Boy, am I. (laughs) I'd like pounds her fist into her Oh, my God. I love that line. So that's how I feel right now. Boy, am I game. Well, then that, as they say, is that.